You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by the MLB.com shop. Well, Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome in again. It's uh, Oakland A's Baseball Podcast. I'm Dave Raymond, and today, really excited to be joined by Ken Korak, longtime radio broadcaster for the Oakland A's and uh, all-around great guy. Uh, Ken, you've, you've, you've been around for a while. You've seen this team and, and, and the, the machinations with each passing year. Last year, a frustrating year for A's fans. Uh, what do you suppose is left to do with this club before spring training? Well, first of all, Dave, it's great to be with you. And you never count them out. I mean, there have been years in which nobody expected the A's would contend, and they have. And the other thing is, when you talk about Billy Bean and, and David Forrest, who was elevated at a GM position, I think it's impossible to predict what they might do. Uh, because just when you think they're done, they, they uh, have the tendency to surprise you. My gut tells me, Dave, they're not done. That maybe there is one more move left in them. Uh, maybe a bat, maybe an outfielder or something like that, or a backup infielder. I'm just not sure. Um, I do feel comfortable that if they were to go to spring training with the club they have now, that at least on paper, Dave, I think they have a better team right now than they had last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're healthy, right? I mean, if they just remain healthy, they'll be so much better than last year. Well, especially in the pitching staff, because that the cornerstone of the A's teams, every year the A's have been good, they've had really good starting pitching. And uh, there are certainly some issues, and that'll be one of the interesting elements of going to spring training down in Arizona just to see how those pitchers are coming along. But if I were to, to kind of look at, at two areas last year that really affected the ball club in a negative way, one would be defense, and number two would be the bullpen. Because, as you know, Dave, there's nothing more deflating when you have the lead and you lose the lead late in the game. And, you know, I don't know if the A's have borrowed from the model of, of the Royals because they're, they're really no secrets. But the Royals, one big reason they won, they played great defense and they had a wonderful bullpen. I think the A's certainly have fortified their bullpen with several acquisitions. And then I think defensively um, they're going to be a better defensive team, especially on the infield. Well, you know, calling all those games last year and all those one-run losses, right, as they continue to pile up, it almost seemed impossible. And I know a lot of analytics guys over the years have said that statistically it's really sort of impossible for there to be a trend, that those things just even out over time and certainly year to year there's no correlation. Uh, That was staggering what happened to that team last year. It was, and I think a lot of it related to the bullpen. When Sean Doolittle went down, they had some issues um, with guys they were counting on, like Ryan Cook and Dan Otero, who are no longer in the organization. So you have an injury to your closer, and then the two main right-handed guys you were counting on have subpar years. And so I think you can look at one-run losses, and I know that you know the old cliche would be, or the axiom is, that they all even out. It doesn't. It's not reflective necessarily on the kind of club you have, but I think in the case of the A's, it was. Um, If you're not real sharp defensively, uh, you know, if you really play well fundamentally and you shut teams down at the end of the game with your bullpen, you should be able to win uh, uh, at least a decent share of your one-run game. Yeah, yeah, Ken, I want to talk to you about something that we've we've spoken about before, but uh, it's worth mentioning because you you really like the idea of Mark Cotte's back with this team now as a bench coach. 
I really do, and I think Mark, um, when he was with the A's, and it was ironic because he was such a good player, and he took him almost his entire career before he got to the postseason, which he did along with Jason Kendall with the A's in 2006. Neither one of them had been to the postseason before. Um, when you talk about a consummate professional, a guy who's a total class act and really has a, a, a winning mentality and attitude and focus, I think bringing Kotze in is going to be a wonderful thing. Um, I think he's going to have a great impact on the club, and I think the combination of Kotze and Bob Melvin, who is just, I think, one of the, the top-flight managers and one of the best people in the game, um, I don't think you could have a better combination at the top of your ball club in terms of running the team on the field. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how that, that piece of it plays out next year as well. Of course, still a little bit of time before we get to spring training, but this is the time of year, Ken. I'm going to ask you to indulge me a little bit here. Um, you know, the Hall of Fame announcements come out in this first week of, of 2016, and, and we all look forward to that. Uh, when it comes to broadcasters, though, and sports writers, that's done a little bit differently. And you worked with a guy by the name of Bill King, and, and A's fans, of course, all very familiar with, with Bill King and, and Holy Toledo, your book, Holy Toledo, Lessons from Bill King, a Renaissance Man of the Mic. I'm, I still, it's one of those things that each year I just, I find it laughable because it's not funny to me. How is he not in the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame as a broadcaster, for that matter, any other Hall of Fame that he's not in yet as a broadcaster? Well, I can't answer that because I'm not on the committee, and I know there are, there are very deserving candidates each year. And I'm not, you know, once they broke this thing down into three different eras, um, the fact that Bill is grouped in the contemporary era I think at least in the recent past has worked against him because that's an era that the candidates for that, and again, they're well-deserving, that's going to expand year after year because so many uh, more candidates will become eligible and, and kind of part of the consciousness. And, you know, Bill has been gone. He passed away in 2005. And I, I kind of think he's in the wrong era. Um, I think he would have had a better chance or, or would have a better chance um, if he was to be considered with the group of announcers who came up when he did. In other words, Bill did his first game in the minor leagues in 1950. Um, he did his first major league broadcast in 1960, actually 1959, when he was the third man on the Giants broadcast team. So, you know, even though he made his mark with the A's beginning in 1981 and spent 25 years with the A's, I do think he's kind of in the wrong category. That's just my opinion. Uh, and, of course, Dave, you spent a lot of days and nights listening to Bill, as I did. Um, it's really a shame that he isn't in the Football Hall of Fame or the Basketball Hall of Fame. He's incredibly deserving in all three. Yeah, it's funny. I think people sometimes say that because he was so good at basketball and, and probably better at basketball than anything, that maybe that took away from, you know, his, his legend as a baseball broadcaster. I don't know. That, that stuff's so silly to me. He was so talented at, at so many things, but that's that's the thing about him, and I, and I love that that essence that you touch on that you cover quite well, frankly, in the book. Um, he was a Renaissance man. What what stands out to you when you think of your old partner, Bill King? Well, the first thing that stands out, and I grew up listening to Bill and going back to the '60s, listening to Bill do the Warriors, was the passion that he brought to every broadcast. Um, he was a man that was, no matter what he was doing, even if he was reading the paper, Dave, that 
was a passionate reading of the paper. That's just the way that he was. And that's the way he lived his life. And so even if it came down to something that might have seemed mundane on the air, he took great care in the way that he tailored every broadcast, even going down to when he first got to the ballpark and spent a lot of time doing his research up in the booth. Then he would go down in the field and spend time with the players and coaches. And uh, when he would do the manager show, he was just meticulous in the way that he went about his business. Um, he was a wonderful baseball historian. Uh, for all of his incredible work in the other sports, he always reflected on his career and said that baseball was his first love. And so by any definition you would use, I think, to try to quantify, and it's hard to quantify because it's a subjective thing determining who's a Hall of Famer and who isn't. I think by any criteria that you were going to use, Bill King is a Hall of Famer, and he made you've got to make an impact in this business. And some people do and, and some don't. And I think with fans of the A's and fans in the Bay Area, you can't imagine anybody in any other market that made any more of an impact than uh, the impact that Bill King made. Well, was there a moment in broadcasting because he was such a colorful person and, and a big personality, but do you remember any moment in the booth with him, uh, a call he made or something you witnessed in, the, in that respect that, that, you know, is still memorable and sticks out? Well, I think I think to me, at least during his time with the A's, and he called so many incredible moments, the steal of third base when Ricky Henderson broke the all-time record and uh, a call of the dubious variety for A's fans because nobody wants to think about it and the memories aren't great, but he, his call of Gibson's home run was, to me, unbelievable, but nobody hears it, and for good reason. I mean, you hear the Jack Buck and the Vince Scully call, but I think that the the punctuation to Bill's career, Dave, was the call of Scott Hatterberg's home run to cap the 20th game of the winning streak. And I think, thank goodness, the, the people, the folks at Moneyball, um, kind of built the movie around that 20th game, and that was the centerpiece of the movie. Um, and so the fact that, that Bill, at the, toward the end of his career, had a call that was so profound and so memorable and so beautifully done, and I think, it, it, like I said, it, 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 it really added that, that kind of punctuation to the movie. And So I'm glad that a lot of people have had the opportunity to hear that call through the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ken, we've gone over our allotted time this week, and, and it just kills me. We could do this for another half hour, 40 minutes, but uh, uh, always a pleasure to catch up and, and uh, look forward to seeing you, I don't know, spring, regular season, somewhere along the line. That would be great, Dave. It's always great to be with you. All right, take care. There he goes. That's Ken Korak. This has been the MLB.com Extras Oakland A's edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.